Welcome to the Faith Seeking Freedom Podcast, a project of the Libertarian Christian Institute. Your questions about faith and liberty deserve thoughtful answers, and we're dedicated to giving you solid responses so you can live free and flourish. Today's question I've had on my desk for a little while, and it's taken time to get to it because it's pretty complex. Now, I have to confess, I apologize to the person who asked it. I've lost your original email, so my apologies for that. But here it is. In short and sweet, it is, what is the purpose of central banking or the Federal Reserve System? And wow, where do you even begin on this? So I'm going to try to tackle this in two different ways. First is to give you a bit on the economics and try to kind of start you off in the right direction. And then I want to just refer to a number of resources that I think will help more completely answer your question. Because quite frankly, this is not something you can just answer in three to five minutes of talking, okay? (laughs) So this is a complex question with an even more complex answer, I think. So you got to go a ways and study some economics to really get into it deeply. So first off, I think we have to kind of discuss the purpose of banking itself and understand like kind of what the point is to begin with. You know, so it just comes to pass that as money enters into an economy and you have a more and more complex economic system that people are going to want to store money somehow in order to generate savings and thus generate capital and thus generate eventually greater and greater wealth. In order to store that capital, you got to have some place to do it that's secure. And so this is kind of the purpose of the bank in and of itself, is that it becomes a place to store that capital. But what's going to be the way in which that bank is incentivized to hold and secure that money? Well, on the one hand, it could charge fees. And in fact, that's often what they do. They'll charge you fees. But one other way that it (laughs) tends to happen in the modern statist economy is to enable via fiat the issuance of essentially a government-backed currency. And so originally, even in the United States, the dollar was backed by silver and gold at a fixed ratio, in fact. But as time went on, in fact, it even goes back literally to the early days of the Republic with Alexander Hamilton trying to establish the National Bank, and he was successful for at least a little while. And then, of course, the Federal Reserve System became a thing in 1913. Now, what's going on there? Well, initially, even then, it was purportedly around trying to kind of you know, even out certain elements of the banking system's variations, per se. But we still had a gold-backed or a hard currency even then. Eventually, though, the gold window was closed. Bretton Woods came down the pipes in the 70s with Nixon, and you know, Nixon closed the gold window, as they say, and so on. And we eventually became completely divorced from the notion of having any type of backing to the currency other than the, quote, full faith and credit of the U.S. government. And this is particularly appropriate to kind of review now in the sense that even in the last week, we've seen multiple bank seizures and closures, banks put into receivership by the U.S. government and the Federal Reserve in this case. So the central banking system is purportedly about trying to help ease through some of the variations in the system. But really what it's all about when it comes down to it is it's privileged counterfeiting because no longer must money be backed by something hard, something tangible, or in the case, you know, I mean, honestly, of course, we are very much here at LCI. We support the idea of Bitcoin and digital currencies, cryptocurrencies as well that are 
essentially backed by cryptography. And why that's important is kind of a question for another day. But nonetheless, that is another way you can have a, quote, hard currency per se. But that is anathema to the idea of what the central bank is looking to do, which is if you've listened to Ron Paul at all over the years, he talks about being able to print money out of thin air. And so what's going on, of course, is the capacity of the central bank to not only be able to issue currency, but issue it out of nothing, essentially. It doesn't need to be backed by anything at that point. And so there's a complex kind of system that goes into play at that point, whereby bonds are bought and sold on the market. They're really from banks to and from the Federal Reserve and treasury bills issued from the US federal government that are securities upon debt and so on. What's going on that makes that particularly onerous is that the Federal Reserve also not only is issuing the currency, but is issuing also the interest rate on money. And so the ability to set the interest rate by which people can borrow, first off, starting from the prime rate, which is what you borrow from the Federal Reserve from, and the changes that they are able to manipulate there, expand and contract the money supply at their will, rather than at the demand for money that ebbs and flows within the marketplace itself. And so essentially, let's kind of sum this up here. The ability for a government to monopolize the production of currency is a means of control of the currency itself. And so even though there is the sense in which the Federal Reserve is, quote, separate or independent from the federal government of the United States, it is still very much manipulated through and through by the politics of it all. And if you don't believe me, well, just look at what's going on even right now with essentially the backing of the federal government to say that all depositors are going to be made whole and so on and so forth. And yeah, there's all sorts of regulatory issues and whatnot that have gone into this. I don't deny that whatsoever. But the more you look into it, the grosser it becomes. The end result of this, of course, is the business cycle. And that is the craziness of it all, where when interest rates are kept artificially low, that enables money to be borrowed at cheaper and cheaper rates. And that enables people to take on riskier projects than what would otherwise be taken on in a truly free market, and thus resulting in overinvestment and malinvestment. That is, too many projects and too many bad projects in particular. And as interest rates then are increased, which is what we've been seeing, especially over the last year, of course, everybody knows in the United States that we've been seeing the interest rates are rising. And as that occurs, the bad investments are no longer able to meet their obligations through the repayment of loans, and thus you have a liquidation effect. And as those investments are made clear, you have contraction of the economy and a lot of productivity is going down the drains. And so instead of the interest rate being set at market rates and set by the market, where then only the most productive ventures would receive funding and the ones that are perceived and understood by experienced market actors as being the ones that are worth investing in, you get what we have now instead. There's going to be a lot of fallout from this, of course. And so when the bubble bursts, you get a lot of craziness that occurs and a lot of contraction a lot of and a lot of pain for people who are just ordinarily living their lives. And that's a big problem. So in sum, the central bank is a means of monopolizing and privileging a counterfeiting mechanism by a government entity so that they get to kind of control the money supply in the end. And so that's a big problem, of course, and would not take place in a truly free market. So that also then results in the business cycle, whereas 
again, when interest rates can be artificially set as opposed to being market set, that enables overinvestment, malinvestment, and then bubbles, and then a popping of a bubble, and then a recession, and hopefully not a depression as well. So let's go and review with a few resources on where you want to kind of learn more, and you can get a much better and thorough understanding of all this. A great way to start off would be the little book by Murray Rothbard, What Has the Government Done to Our Money? Definitely required reading for the, every libertarian out there, and you can get that freely at Mises.org if you want. I'd also like to recommend the book, The Ethics of Money Production by Guido Hulsman, The Church and the Market by Tom Woods. Those are both kind of a more ethical or an ethics-based presentation of these monetary systems. It's, of course, very interesting. And then I think as an addendum to these, I'd also recommend the book, The Bitcoin Standard by Saifedean Amu. Hopefully I got that name right, but he's a really interesting author and it's kind of writing from the new perspective on the development of cryptocurrencies. Further to that would be Vijay Boyapati's book, The Bullish Case for Bitcoin. And you can even find the LCI podcast where I interviewed him. Vijay is a good friend of mine, known him for years and really appreciate his work there. There's also plenty of other ways you can go even deeper, whether you're thinking about it from a history of money and banking in the United States, which is a book by Murray Rothbard, or a theory of money and credit by Ludwig von Mises, or look at the variety of works by Friedrich Hayek as well, or really all sorts of things in the Austrian tradition. It's not always the case that the modern Austrians are totally on board with the idea of cryptocurrencies, but I think a lot of them are coming around, and we think that's great. But we do love, obviously, the Austrian tradition in this. And it's really important to understand this. Money is a really crucial part of any economy. And its soundness is really important toward future freedom and prosperity. And so it's very, very important to understand these ramifications of the central banking system as it is, and to really be able to understand that at a deep level. And, and hopefully, you'll be able to explain this in kind of quick terms as well, kind of like we did here, and help people to understand why sound money is an important issue. I'll see you at the next question. This podcast was inspired by our popular book, Faith Seeking Freedom, which is available on Kindle, softcover, and audiobook at faithseekingfreedom.com. Want your questions answered on our podcast? Email us at podcast at libertarianchristians.com. And don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review our podcast so we can reach more Christians with the message of liberty.